Welcome everyone to the GoWP Digital Agency Podcast, where we speak with members of our community and go behind the data to uncover the secrets to their business and life success. Thank you so much for that intro, Mario. And before we begin, I would just like to say a few words about GoWP. In case anyone listening isn't fully familiar with us, at GoWP, we create happiness for digital agencies and help them become more profitable, whether it's joining in our incredibly valuable weekly happiness hour calls, or if you're looking to grow your team with a developer, a copywriter, a designer, or a project manager, we got you covered. We also have services like case studies, blogging services, website maintenance, content edits, or page builds. That way you can completely outsource to our team. Who do we have on the show today, Mariah? I will tell you who we have. Today we have Mickey Mellon. Mickey is a Michigan native and a current Atlanta resident who in 2009 co-founded Green Mellon Studio with his business partner, Allie Green. Green Mellon specializes in branding, website design and development, WordPress support, digital marketing, as well as growth and measurement analysis. In addition to being the resident tech guy for his company, Mickey is a prolific blogger, course instructor, public speaker, coordinator of the Brighter Web Meetup group in Marietta, Georgia. He's a husband and father of two daughters. So happy to welcome you today, Mickey. <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. Like we were talking about before we started recording here, I've loved everything GoWP has done for years. I really appreciate what Brad has done for the community and what you guys continue to do. And it's just fantastic. And I've already listened to some of these podcasts and so excited to hear all the great guests you're going to have on and honored to be here today. Oh, well, we're honored to have you. And, you know, I'll just go ahead and share this. Brad is great. Brad is brilliant, but things really took off for GoWP when Joanne and I joined the team last year. Go ahead. <laughs> He's go. not here. Wouldn't you say that? There was, a, there was a big, big step up for sure. Yes. You know, he went big league with us. So wonderful to have you here today, Mickey. And, you know, as those, as your credits show, you are a well-rounded individual and a leader in the WordPress world and, and in our community. So I thought we would start our questions by touching on your background a little bit. So as I mentioned, you're originally from Michigan. My, one of my best friends is from Michigan. He taught me about the hand. So can you, <laughs> you, can you show us and, or indicate where you are from on the hand, Mickey? Yeah, most recently from Midland, kind of in the crook of the thumb. You know, Saginaw Bay kind of creates the thumb. So yeah, kind of in the crook of there. Yeah, not, not too far from that. <laughs> originally grew up near Detroit um, and Midland's like two hours straight north of Detroit. So it's kind of funny in Atlanta here, I'm about 10 minutes from I-75 and our house up there is about 10 minutes from I-75. It's just 13 miles of I-75 in the middle. So it's easy drive. Just take 75 North and hang a left and you're there. So that's awesome. And, and you're, I think I saw you, you shared somewhere that you're, um, you missed the snow. I did. I miss playing in the snow. Living in the snow is the pits. But yeah, when I was a teenager, <laughs> we lived in a house on a small lake with a hill and we'd sled and play hockey and that was all great. But yeah, living in it's the pit. So I like in Atlanta where we typically get one decent little snow a year. We can play in it, make a snowman, and then it melts away and it, it works out pretty well. And then the humidity comes and takes you over. I well, live in the South. I know. That's a different Ooh. side. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, as someone who is uh, very technologically inept, I'm in, I'm in awe when I meet people like you who can wear the token uh, tech guy <laughs> Uh, persona and wear it well have that has that always been your your moniker yeah I think so just 
it's because I enjoy it. I mean, I do it for work, but I do it for play, I guess, to a large degree as well. So I just enjoy the stuff, which helps me learn more about it. And I like just playing with new tools and toys and taking things apart. And I think that's kind of how you learn. You know, I learned the most about, I was in IT for a while. And I think I learned the most about that when I broke our computer growing up, messing with it. My dad <laughs> said, well, you need to fix it. So it was lots of research and, you know, that's how you learn. It's fantastic. So I enjoy this stuff. Learn by fire. Get in there, exactly. boy. <laughs> Let's thank your dad. Thanks, dad, for, there you go. <laughs> for leading Mickey to all of this. Yeah, the we. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about how you found your way down I-75 to Georgia from Michigan. Was it, you know, you said that you learned about computers at a young age was it school that brought you down south was it post uh, you know school and or professional relationships that brought you down south and 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 led you to start a business in Atlanta well moving down and starting a business were two very different things so moving down I was just kind of between jobs I'd worked at a video game store for years and had was no longer there I'm like I knew some folks in Atlanta I'm like that could be kind of fun I'll move down there for six months I'm single I can do what I want and then I'll just move back home after a while and that was yeah, 24 years ago, and I never made it home. And then, yeah, through my first few jobs here, eventually, yeah, started a business out of that kind of by mistake. So, that, you know, you've given us the title for this episode, Our Best Laid Plans. Exactly. <laughs> I left LA, um, I don't know, five years ago with the intention of coming back home on the East Coast just for a month because I missed my family and I missed, I was in a relationship at the time. I missed the, yeah, that was five years ago. I haven't been back since. So yeah. our best laid plans. It's so interesting how we all have similar stories in terms of going somewhere. Oh, I'm just going there for, I, I went to Barcelona for grad school. I'm like, oh, it's just grad school a year, get it out of my system. Ended up living there for five years, got married, the whole shebang. Wow. <laughs> so awesome. I can, I can, I relate so much to, to going somewhere and just to, you know, figure things out. Cause when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone is when you really end up really knowing about learning about yourself and finding yourself. So it's so interesting that you went down South to for six months and ended up <laughs> establishing a business. And how can you tell us a little bit about your business roots and how they started in Atlanta? For sure. So one of the early jobs I got here was working in a church, Cobb County, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. I was a team of like five on the communications team. It was a huge church with like a hundred employees. And one of the employees was Allie, who I met there. She was an intern for a while. And after about three years, she left to start her own design gig on the side. And I kind of left to start my own development thing on the side, but we needed each other's help a lot. And so I'd say, Allie, can you help me design this piece? And she'd say, sure, but can you help me build this piece? And so every month we'd kind of settle up and say, okay, Allie, you owe me $200 for that, but I owe you $300 for this. <laughs> and we kind of sort all that out. And then one month we just said, how much did you make last year? We just kind of laid it all out on the table. And what we both had earned in the past year was almost identical. It was pitiful, wow. but identical. And so we said, hey, this year, let's just throw it in one pot and split it and just go for it. And so that's kind of what we did. We were just the, the Mickey and Allie show for a while. We were just like, hey, Mickey and Allie can build you a site. You know, we didn't really have anything official. She got engaged to Chase Green. And so her name was going to become Green. We're like, okay, as long as we're sure that's going to happen, which they're <laughs> fantastic. We came up with the name there and slowly started started building from that. So yeah. no pressure, Allie, young yeah. and in love. This guy is going to keep her, right? Because my, <laughs> he's he's my going, business is going on the, he's going Our over the business. building. Exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's awesome. So you would say uh, that it was, it wasn't like metric based proposition. It was more that something that grew from that personal connection of trust and seeing 
how she ran her the part and then you ran and you guys put it together so you could we could say that it was based on a gut feeling and and establishing of trust and connection right oh for sure because even when we started we weren't it wasn't like our only thing i still was right doing some other blog writing on the side she had some other Mm -hmm. you know it was just kind of trying this out but yeah i was thinking about this and really it's our the the venn diagram of our skills is like almost two separate circles we do very different things but our values is basically like completely overlap Mm -hmm. like we believe in doing things a certain way doing the right way and so those two went together for just a fantastic partnership where yeah we we know what we want to do and how we want to do it and one thing I often hear is you should never be a duo. You should, partnerships are the worst because you need a tiebreaker in there. If you guys argue, you need a third person to break the tie or stay solo. And we've never had that because it's very clear like, oh, this is a design related decision. I'll give my input, but it's her call. And if there's some new tool or you know process we want to do, she'll give her input, but she knows it's my call. And it's literally never been a major problem. It's been just shockingly smooth in, in that regard. So. And, you have, and you have that core core strength in the middle of the core values that you both share. So whenever one is, for example, diverts, you always have that to bring you back to the middle. That's so that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because we were just, when we were thinking about when Mariah was doing the research because Mariah was, I have to give Mariah a shout out and she, she does, uh, most if not all of the research on our guests and it's she she, you do such a great job so when we were talking about having you on the show something that came up is that you're the first person we interview who is a co-owner so you get to be the first one to advise our listeners on finding (laughs) the right business partner if they if they don't want to run a business solo so we got the first tip and it's share the same values share have the same core values is there anything else that you would advise to our listeners in in becoming if they are thinking of becoming a co-owner gotcha yeah really all i can advise i can give a few more thoughts on what's made it work well but again it wasn't like i had four to choose from and ali was my choice it just she was there and it just we've gotten super lucky that it's worked out so well but two other things i think that have really worked well for us is we actually we were talking about this yesterday we love the stability of each other like when she comes in, I don't have to worry about which Allie's going to show up today. She's going to be grumpy today or whatever. Like we both come in just ready to work and get it done. And certainly there's good days and bad days, but there's never, uh oh, she's in a mood or he's in the mood or, you know, it's just, we don't have that kind of thing. And then the other part of that's been awesome, but potentially a little dangerous is that through the whole time, we both felt that the other one was outworking us. I always think Allie's doing so much more than I am. I need to step up and I'll work even harder. And then she'll look at me and say, Mickey's outworking me. I need to step up and work even harder. <laughs> which leads to lots of hours every week. and But it works. I mean, it's great. I think most marriages could benefit from that if they feel like their partner's outworking them, which is often not the case. But but again, it's potentially dangerous where you could ramp up and say, well, I worked 60 hours this week, but she's still outworking me. So I need to work 80. And that's, of course, not healthy. And it's not gone to that degree, but it's still interesting. And even now she's part-time right now, just with two young children at home and stuff. And even then I'm thinking she's only part-time, she's doing all this work. Like I got to step up and do more and she, you know, but it's, it's fantastic. It's ultimately a good thing. As long as we just keep an eyeball on it and make sure it doesn't go out of control. You know, I, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is great advice, not only for business partnerships, but life partnerships, you know, yes. <laughs> have those shared core values, respect each other, what each other brings to the relationship, you know, ha- know, know that person, know who's going to show up and have that trust. And I, yesterday, just yesterday, I was chatting with one of our 
a copywriters who is thinking about penning a book about relationships, I'm going to have to tell her, talk to Mickey Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> he is the man who knows the key to making relationships work. Yeah. So thank you for that. You know, walk yeah, away with the goodie bag. Recently, well, no, actually it was last year, you and Ali co-presented a webinar for us. The focus and title of that webinar, Mickey, was the important KPIs and metrics every agency owner should be watching. During the webinar, you referenced two resources, Traction and Get a Grip, two books written by the entrepreneur Gino Wickman. Yeah. I guess that's how you pronounce his name, Gino Wickman. He <laughs> ran his first company at age 21 and devised an entrepreneurial operating system. First question I have about that. Well, first statement is that was a wonderful webinar. Thank you for doing that for Good of mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Can you give us a quick overview or layman's explanation of exactly what his entrepreneurial operating system is? Sure. So for us, it was awesome because neither Ali or I went to business school. Going back, if I could change my schooling, I would have gotten more business education. And, and frankly, that's where her husband has been fantastic. He is very business savvy. So we were often picking his brain, but we didn't, we didn't mean to start an agency and neither of us have worked in an agency. So we don't know how they're supposed to run. And as I've learned more, I don't think there is any way they're supposed to run. You can do what you want, but we still wanted a framework around it. And that's what Traction gives you. It says, here's the framework. You should think about your employees this way and set up your meeting cadences this way. And so that's been awesome. I think the one advice I'd give on that is we followed it to a T. Like the book said to do it this way. We have to do it that way. And we had two different business coaches say, no, you don't. Like take the stuff that works for you and get rid of the stuff you don't want. And it was just like, wow, we can do that. Like, of course, you can do whatever you want. So we've taken some of the stuff that's worked really well, like the scorecard we shared in the metrics. That's been, and we've done that every week for years now, just kind of looking into some key things just to see, make sure everything's on track. And the other big thing it added to us was the IDS meetings, the Identify, Discuss, and Solve, basically keeping a list of problems you have and then meeting about them once a week. The advantage there is the the staff would bug Allie quite a lot with questions just all throughout the week. And I, I say bug nicely. I mean, legit questions they needed help with, but her day was just full of peppered questions and never getting deep work done. And we didn't realize that was a problem that could be solved. We figured they have questions. We need to be here for them. But by saying, hey, instead... When you have questions, put them on your list. And once a week, we'll go through all your questions. If it's urgent, bug me. But for other stuff, put them on the list. And that was just enormous for us. So we meet with each of our staff once a week. Um, and, just kind of, and sometimes there's two things on there. Sometimes there's 30. But it's like, I had this idea for this thing. I had this one problem here. And just kind of talk through it all in one spot. And then the rest of the week, you can focus a bit better. And that's something Traction taught us that, again, we've weaved quite a bit from how you're supposed to do it, I think. But it, it works mm-hmm. well for us. So. I love that. I love that. You have to customize it, customize the, the tools for your own agency's success, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of, also during the webinar, speaking of those metrics and the scorecards, you suggested that owners should really look for trends or red flags across their KPIs, but you also warned them from, from your own personal trial and error, they could go too far in one direction and have too many metrics that they're monitoring. So when we think about customizing those tools that Wickman suggests and that and that you shared in the webinar, how can owners, how can they customize those metrics just for them? How can they make sure, you know, find a happy, healthy middle ground to mm-hmm. evaluate their uh, agency's health week to week? Yeah, that's a good question. So two thoughts there. One is the book is kind of aimed at slightly bigger companies. So the example metrics they gave were worthless, which is why I'm big about sharing what we've come up with. Just try to help others get a, a start on it. But really it's, do they 
do they matter week to week? When we go through it, if there's a number of like we've looked at for six weeks in a row and we don't care what it says, then let's get out of there. But most of them we have in there, we care about. And so we're adding and removing things all the time. I bet we've probably changed six metrics since we did that webinar, just, just tweaking things, you know, counting this a little bit more, counting that a little bit less. And so we, we end up generally around a dozen or so metrics, just looking at you know, support tickets that come in and website things and uptime and, you know, a lot of financial metrics just to, to make sure they're good. But really it's a, a five minute thing we do every week, just kind of saying, okay, is everything looking good or is there anything jumping out that we need to be aware of? And to the extent possible, we try to be forward looking, you know, looking at the bank balance. I think I said in the webinar, looking at the bank balance today is important. I mean, you need money in the bank, but that's a consequence of what you did six months ago. So I want to say, what can we do today that's going to impact us six months later? And that's the metrics we try to focus more on. I'm getting giddy because that I don't <laughs> think I don't think that's one of our questions for today. But that was a side note that I put <laughs> that comment that you made during the webinar. I loved it. You're looking at your bank account. Uh, it's it's a reflection of your decisions over the last six months. You know, and I love that. Again, I'm telling you, Mickey Mellon is just you know spitting out these golden <laughs> nuggets for life. Love and business. I love it. <laughs> Come back every that's, week. That's yeah. the title of his book. <laughs> Life, Life, love, and business. Business. Nice. Life, love, and business. Lessons learned. Yes. And I, the webinar, the important KPIs and metrics every agency owner should be watching is on our website. I'm just going to do a quick plug in case anyone who is listening hasn't um, found that resource. It's under our resource centers webinars. You can find that on GoWP.com. Just a quick, quick plug, just because it's so valuable and it's so helpful. Ali made the point that she monitors your contractor costs regularly. After a certain amount of monitoring those costs, you evaluate whether or not the costs justify bringing a contractor onto your staff. So we find that very interesting because at GoWP, we encounter we also encounter two groups. So the first one is one group that likes the flexibility of adding our contractors to their team. And the other that stands on the precipice, wondering if growing their team with contracted labor is a viable option. So let's talk about the latter group. Which of the KPIs and trends you should be monitoring while deciding contractors, like for example, GoWP's team, would be the missing link that helps agency owners grow their business and lessen their stress? Sorry for that long walk before yeah, the question, but we need to state and we need to set the set the premise. <laughs> yeah. And I think there are, like you said, two very different types of agencies. There's those that are small and have a bunch of contractors and kind of, I think I've heard it like making a movie. Like when you make a movie, you kind of pick the best actor you want for that film and put it together and do it. And some agencies do that very well. When they have a big project, they go pick the best stars they can get to build that project. And we just do it differently where we prefer employees. Like we, we love our contractors we have, but we try to minimize that and have employees just because we have such a wide base of clients. We have pushing 200 clients, most, many of which I'd say the bulk of which are very small, like maintenance kind of things. And then, you know, fewer, fewer, bigger ones but it's a lot for anyone to keep up with. If it's a contractor, they'd be like, who are you talking about? I've never heard this person before. Whereas if you're an employee, you can kind of get the feel of everything better. So for us, having those employees, we think just makes things run smoother versus having contractors. But a contractor-focused agency, I've seen some that are like two or three people at the core and then a slew of contractors as needed. And it's pretty compelling to look at it that way too. In terms of metrics, yeah, we just look at how much did we pay contractors last month? Was it 2,000? Was it 10,000? Like how much did we pay? And once it gets to be four or 5,000 a month, we're paying a contractor for one skill or a set of contractors for one skill. Like 
okay, that becomes 50 or $60,000 that could be a salary instead. And so instead of part-time work from these various people, we have one person just devoted to us doing that. And so that's generally what we look at with that metric and kind of see what's going on. And you mentioned your, your employees. It, we are living still in very interesting times. Things are improving <laughs> every day, but you know, I don't have to tell you as, a, as an owner that it's been, it's been a ride these last two years. You mentioned during the webinar that at the start of the pandemic, when so many people around the world were worried about job losses on top of you know, the, the, the illness itself, you, but you were able to calm your staff about their job security by being transparent. And you use those same metrics and scorecards that you already utilize in your operations. You use them to communicate with your team about the health and direction of your company, which I thought was really was really a nice approach. So can you talk a little bit more about that, Mickey, how you managed that very difficult conversation when nobody knew what was going on? No one could right. predict <laughs> what was that, what was coming around the bend. But can you talk about that, how you how you as, as a business owner manage that out of respect for your team, your, your sure. employees. Yeah. So one small mistake we made is we call it the state of the melon. We kind of just the, the state of the agency, but we put that on the calendar <laughs> and, and invited the staff to it. And a few of them got freaked out, like COVID hits. And now they want to talk about the state of the company. Like, Oh no. Like, so very quickly, like, no, no, it's, it's good. Like, it's okay. But yes. But in that we just kind of ran, I kind of ran scenarios on all the different extreme situations that could happen. Cause our revenue is roughly 50% recurring and 50% project. So I kind of said, okay. And then we have, thanks to Allie mostly, she's very thrifty, I guess, in terms of keeping a, a high bank balance and keep, you know, lots in reserves and stuff, which is fantastic. Cause I don't tend to go that way, even though I want to, but she does and it's great. But so we told the team like, okay, if we get no more projects, all the potential projects fall off the map, but we keep our recurring clients and our bank balance, we're going to last 18 months. If we lose half of our recurring clients, but pick up half the current projects will last 12 months. And like just all the different scenarios. And there were none that were under a year. Like if we, you know, granted, if you lost all the recurring clients all at once, that would do it. But again, we're spread so thin in a good way where again, we have like 150 recurring clients, most of which are tiny, but that also means if you lose a handful of them, it's not a big deal. Like we lost two recurring clients and it wasn't even really a blip, you know, in terms of the overall financials. And so that helped a lot too. So we said, okay, realistically, maybe we'll lose 10% of our recurring clients and all of our new projects. And what does that scenario look like? So we kind of laid out like a bunch of different scenarios and they were all, you know, at least a year of runway kind of at worst case looks. And so they were like, okay, so we're, we're good for now. And then I said, and of course realize we're not going to lose all the upcoming projects or all, you know, those are extreme. And so realistically, you know, we've got years ahead of us and yeah, things did work out pretty well. How did your team respond to that, having that frank conversation and, and assuring conversation with you? Really, it wasn't that big of a deal because we tend to be pretty transparent and open with them anyhow. I mean, we don't open the books up too much and we're trying to do more of that now. And so that was a more of a look there, but they know that we're very quick to say, hey, we lost this client and this is good, this is bad. Like, so they knew there wasn't anything major. We, they, we don't hide things from them. You know, we tell them, tell them how it's going to be. And so they, they knew this is just going to be kind of a look at what's going on, but Mickey and Allie aren't freaked out. So we don't need to freak out either. They were like, cool. Thanks. You know, thanks Mickey. What's for lunch? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. We're good. Yeah. We're good. We're secure. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Very happy staff. So uh, business culture to be specific because a lot has shifted 
in the in the whole world and in individual companies since the beginning of of the pandemic. So how has your business culture and team habits changed over the last two years? How, what are like some specifics, some specific examples that you could give us of, even if it's slight changes or big changes, what have those been? Yeah. So really it hasn't changed that much for us. Pre-pandemic, we were in the office maybe twice a week. Um, Then of course, for a while it became zero, which was not good. Now we're only back in once a week. And that, that seems to be a good balance. Our team hates being remote full-time, but really doesn't like being in the office full-time either. So having once or twice a week has been really quite good. I'm generally in two or three times a week, but often by myself just to get mail and, you know, if I have to meet people or whatever. But yeah, as a team, we're only in once a week and and that's a slight change, I guess. And I love that. And then the other thing I thought of in there that's not really changed, but it's been, it's come more to the forefront of just how our values are shaped with our clients there, especially when some of them were struggling over the pandemic. Like two examples come to mind. One is, for our maintenance clients, we don't make them sign any contracts. And so when people needed to bounce, we said, cool, you know, good luck, come back if you need us later, but they weren't stuck having to pay things. And like, especially now, like that would have been just awful. Mm-hmm. And then we even reached out to some clients proactively and said, hey, you're paying for this bigger package, but you're not using it enough. You should lower your price with us to this lower one, which um, keeps them from leaving. I think it probably benefits us because they're not going to leave when they realize it later, but I think endears us a little bit to them, but also hurts us a little bit. And we're, we're okay with that. I and mean, we've long believed that doing what's best for the client is the right way to go, even if it hurts us a little bit because it's better for everyone in general. But that I think has shown itself a bit more in the past two years, just trying to make sure we do the right thing for them. I feel like having currently living in the Midwest, having lived in the South, I think you have the right values that that the regional values have mixed well in you. And I think (laughs) your clients are are benefiting from that tremendously. And it's, it's also spilling over into the community. One of the things that really impressed me about your background uh, and your profile, Mickey, is that you're very active in the community. In addition to running a company and having a family that you're raising, you are the lots of, on your LinkedIn page, lots of volunteering. And I know that you, you lead the Brighter Web meetup group in the Atlanta area. I don't know if you all are, are back to meeting in person now, but as far as the your involvement in the community, Joanne and I are both, you know, full disclosure, we are new to the WordPress world, been in about a year, a year in it. So we're, we're, you know, this is a new community for us. One of the things that I think I'll speak for us both, we've commented the same in different conversations, it's a thriving community and it's a positive mm-hmm. and supportive community. And there are so many communities in so many industries. Why do you think WordPress communities are that way? Why do they stick out? Why are why is the network legitimate and so supportive, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. And Joanne mentioned earlier that you sent over great questions for us. And I'm so glad you sent this one ahead of time for me to think about because I've long said WordPress has this amazing community, but I've never really thought like, why is that? Why does WordPress have this great community? Um, and I think it, it's a few directions. For me personally, the last few years in particular, I've become more of a, I guess, a voracious learner. I've just been anxious mm. to learn things, which I wish I'd done that more in school because in school, I really didn't care as much. I'd love to go back and pay more attention and learn things there. But that's, I think, where the meetups and stuff come from is learning learning from each other. And just, I get smarter and better at everyone I go to. Um, I joke and say that at our meetup, we come up there and we give away all of our secrets to all of our competition, but they give away their secrets back to us and we all leave the room better for it. And it's just 
a fantastic thing. I should also mention GoWP was a sponsor of our meetup for a couple of years. Brad's been a great supporter of us too, back when we met in person. We actually stopped meeting in person even before COVID came along, just because in our area, finding space for it, like the places we were using kept closing down. So I said, let's just go virtual for a little while. And then, well, that became a long while. So we may meet in person again, but our, our audience has expanded more regionally. And so it's going to be tougher to get back in person. So we'll see what we do there. Yeah, it's it's tough to say why WordPress is different, but it is so different. There's mm -hmm. there's two other agencies not too far from where our building is, and they're not WordPress focused and they don't want to talk. Like we're the, we're the enemy to them, which is just oh. bizarre to me. Like I've tried a few times to just like, let's go have lunch and just talk, you know, and one of them, I know we could have sent them business over the years, but they just, no, no, like they're cordial, but like definitely like you're the enemy versus I mean, heck, on the, the happiness hour calls, that's all my competition on there. And I'm their competition. And we all love each other and learn from each other and pass business around. And it's just, I don't understand why people don't do more of that. But it's it's a unique thing. It That's totally true what you say about the happiness hour calls. Mm -hmm. The very first few that I joined, I was like, you know, a newcomer. <laughs> first time on stage, you know, peeking from behind the curtain going, at some point they're going to go at each other's throats, right? Like these are all, <laughs> what is this? You know, okay, you all, you can let, you can take, put down the facade, be yourselves. No, mm -hmm. that, that has not, that has not occurred. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I think it's because of individuals like you who are so, so visible and so forthcoming. I, I didn't think you, you are the reason that the, the community is as it is. And for those haters out there who don't want to play nice, you know, we'll see that we'll see what happens to them in five years. Exactly. <laughs> one of the all, one of the wonderful things about you too, uh, Mickey, learning about you was, you know, all the things that you balance in the way that you in the way that you do it, but also that li the life and work balance. You know, you seem to be handling it really well. You're a husband and father of, of two girls, which my brother has two girls and no, whoops, no, he doesn't. He has three girls. Whoops, sorry, Nisi. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nisi. The reason there's a there's the oldest and then they're twins. Can you talk about girl dads? Let's talk about girl dads. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. I think a key for us is that we don't believe in work-life balance, but more work-life integration. Ali has a better mm -hmm. word for it that I can't come up with now. But like if you need to take a break for a couple hours in the afternoon to go read at your kid's school, like go take a break for a couple hours and do that. And then if you need to catch up at eight o'clock at night with a couple emails, then do that. Like I certainly, again, kind of like the contractor versus employees, I appreciate people that say, nope, I work nine to five and at five o'clock, my phone turns off, like nothing wrong with that. That's just not how we work. Like we're on Slack in the evening, some hanging out, but then yeah, people are kind of in and out throughout the day as they have other things to do. You know, much of our staff works out at lunchtime and then showers, like it's, it's all good, you know? So I think that's a, a big piece of what we do to, to make it balance better. Yeah. And again, Allie, I think has been the prime example of that with her little ones at home. She's had to do that. And it's just kind of the rest of the team has followed suit. So. What a, what a great example for your young girls to, you know, see their father partnered with a strong and an intelligent female partner mm -hmm. and, you know, your, your wife as well. Do you, I, I don't know how to parent, <laughs> but in all, fair, in all fairness, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to know. Yeah, you're good. But, so how does, how, how does your experience as a business owner, does that impact the lessons that, that you model for for your girls uh, not that you wouldn't model the same lessons for two sons but you know i don't know something about there's a special place in my heart for girl dads after seeing my yeah family. and i think it does help <laughs> having Allie there i think does show them and my wife works as well and so i think they see that yeah women are, are i mean heck Allie is far more capable than i am so they see that too and even at her agency we're eight people and 
there's me and one other male and we just fairly recently hired him. So it's been a very female dominated company and that's been fantastic. I much prefer it that way, I think. So <laughs> it's worked well. And I think they see that. And both girls have helped a little bit with the agency over time. Just if we need some just data input on stuff, we just kind of set them to the task and pay them a few bucks. And it's, it's been kind of nice just to get them a little bit involved here and there. So it's been, it's been neat watching that's that right. develop as they that's- grow up, you know. That's right, girls. Women women can be leaders and young people can also work. Well, moving on from uh, business and culture and culture within the business and fatherhood and all, all of those very, very crucial and important pillars of business ownership, I feel like there is, there's always, there always has to be a little space for fun. And I heard that someone that you really, really enjoy ice cream. <laughs> uh, I, I heard it through the grapevine called Mariah. So I am going to go I ahead. I was eating ask, ice cream when I told her that. But there you know, go. He likes nice. ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and ask a series of flash a lightning round questions related to ice cream for you. So let me know when you're ready. <laughs> All right, let's give it a try here. I'm not sure I'm that big of a fan, but I do enjoy it. So yeah, let's see what we got. Okay, a cone or a cup? Cone. Ice cream or frozen yogurt? Ice cream. What is your favorite flavor? Mint chocolate chip. So <laughs> my next question was like, is mint chocolate chip? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> so let's say yes. Ice cream cone or ice cream sandwich? Oh, cone. Yeah. Is a dairy-free dessert ice cream? Ooh. No, it can be an acceptable dessert, but don't call it ice cream. A pint or frozen pop? Ooh. I guess a pint. Okay, that's, you did great. You did great. Right, you did great. Cool. <laughs> this conversation uh, has been going well this whole time until the disdain that you showed for the ice cream sandwich, Mickey. Wow, Ooh, I felt the flames. <laughs> well, you compared, compared to a good cone, it's not even close. Yeah. And our, our last question before, before we sent you off for your, the rest of your day is, how are you creating happiness for yourself? Yeah, that was a good question. I have a variety of things there. So one is back to the kids and watching my children thrive is a huge one. You know, my Mm. oldest just went off to the University of Georgia this year. Wow. Um, So that's been awesome. Just watching her her thrive there. Knowing the company's secure, you know, again, knowing that there's no way we could close our doors next month. Like we're we're healthy. We still got to work hard to make sure we're healthy beyond that. But that's big. And then lately, I've really been enjoying my evenings again. Like after they all go to bed, just kind of you know, reading a good bit because you know trying to blog as frequently as I do requires me to read a lot to have ideas of things to write about. So it's kind of, of a, a thing there. And then really an interesting one lately has been Fortnite, which is meant for middle <laughs> school boys, which I'm often called. But it's been fantastic because I've been playing a lot with other people that are like on the happiness hour calls and other agency owners. We'll just kind of play for half an hour, you know, 45 minutes in the evening. And I equate it to like playing golf with someone where... When you're out playing golf, you're not really playing golf. You're out just kind of hanging out and talking about life and business. And every now and then you're like, ooh, I need the pitching wedge here. Same kind of mm-hmm. thing with Fortnite. We're hanging out, just kind of chatting with each other and saying, oh, hang on a sec, get your sniper rifle. And then, okay, <laughs> now back to your daughter did what? She was in the play, like, oh, it's so cool. And I've actually picked up a few. We actually landed a, a pretty big job because of that. Because he said, hey, don't you guys do this other work? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll connect you with this guy. And, you know, just it's been fantastic. That's been kind of fun too. Just, you know, playing like a kid, but doing business at the same time, you know, that sounds like so much fun and such a great way to network yet disconnect at the same time. Right. It's a reason uh, to hang out. It'd be kind of awkward just to call these guys and say, let's just talk for an hour tonight. Like, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Like, 
it kind of gives us the other piece. We can talk about where we want to go and which weapons to get. And then once that's kind of settled and we're just hiding in a bush, we can, okay, so, oh, you landed that job. That's awesome. We need, you know, you struggling with that piece and, you know. You mentioned that you were saving some space to read at night as well. Do you mm-hmm. mind me asking, what are you currently reading? Oh, good question. Um, trying to finish um, Homo Deus, um, a book Ooh. from Yuval Noah Harari, all about. It's kind of ironic. He wrote it in like 2018 about like the the future of mankind, and he had a whole huge section about how we're never going to face a pandemic again, and all the reasons <laughs> why we never will. And he kind of whiffed that. So that that's a good one. I do a lot of Blinkist and just shorter reads, just trying to get ideas and blogs and videos and that kind of thing. And there's one other I'm reading. I'm going to have to pull it up here real quick to see what it's called. Mm-hmm. There's a podcast that Stephen Fry has called Great Leap Years that is very similar, kind of it's like a six-part series like from the dawn of man through present day. And it's fantastic. Very similar trend to Sapiens. And I love Stephen Fry. Oh, I, I am so happy that you that you shared that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm also a big fan of him. Yeah, but that, that one is, yeah, again, it's called Great Leap Year. That, that was a good one. And Great then the other book I'm reading right now is Better Capitalism. Um, a friend of a friend wrote it. So I'm reading that just kind of a history of how we got where we are in terms of capitalism. And again, not ha- having taken any business classes to speak of in college, I'm trying to catch back up. So a lot of my reading, most of my reading is business focused. I'll read, mm-hmm. I'll read things like Homo Deus and occasionally read some fiction books, but I'd say 90% is business focused just to try to make me better at what I do to serve the company and, you know, come up with blog post ideas and that sort of thing. So I tell you, you know what, you single-handedly are the example that will save our country, save our world, you know, <laughs> more, we as Americans need to do more reading and get back to creating moments that feed the idea of community, you know, mm-hmm. spending some, taking the golf course to the screen and with Fortnite. <laughs> that's what, you know, our grandparents, I guess, is the bright generation, our parents and grandparents had in the bowling alleys and at right. the, you know, at the, corner stores where the drive-through, you know, all all of those, all of those images of, of community are fading in our society. Walmart just doesn't do what all the individual stores did before. So yeah, yeah, those mom and pop shops. I remember as a child, and this is, I I won't make this a long thing. I remember as a child, when I lived in Delaware, the little corner store where the owner, it was a family, they knew your name, you know, Mm -hmm. they, you felt safe because if there was something, they would call your parents or you would be you would be um, reprimanded by people that were not your parents too. So I think, yeah, I think we'd be better off as a, as a society if we found, if we reconnected to that. Yep, Mickey, yep. it's been awesome, uh, very awesome speaking with you today. And we will share your contact information and your website information in our show notes. But for those that are listening or viewing, I just wanted to shout out Mickey's website. It's greenmelonmedia.com. And quickly spelling it, green, like the color, melon is M-E-L-L-E-N, media.com. And really, if you put media, you can spell it any way you want. We bought all the typo versions. So if you type green melon media, just spell whatever you want. It probably will get to us. Because people can't spell melon to save their lives, the way we spell it. So yeah. You're saving society yet again. (laughs) Don't rely on autocorrect, America. Well, autocorrect will kill you on melon. So yeah, we, yeah. we got to fix that. Rely on cut- redirects. Yeah, Just going to exactly. put that there. Forget autocorrect, think redirect. I like it. Thank you for being such a great guest and sharing so much, so many, some valuable tips with us today. Yeah, we appreciate it. This has been fantastic. And thanks again for all that GoToBP does for, for the community as well. 
Thank you so much, Mickey. And thank you so much to everyone who has listened or watched on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you can get this podcast and this episode of the GoWP Digital Agency Owners Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as a quick reminder, at GoWP, we want to help you become more profitable, whether it's listening to our podcast or joining in our weekly happiness hours, viewing informative webinars hosted by our friends like Mickey Mellon in the WordPress community. And of course, by growing your team with our uber skilled developers, copywriters, designers, or project managers. So go to gowp.com and read more about our services to schedule a call. Thank you so much. <laughs>